You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Erin Chapman. She is principal and senior event producer at AAA Studios or AX3 Studios, depending on your URL, if you're looking at the company name. But we're going to talk a little bit about what is going on in the event space. So we're recording this kind of mid-May. We're uh, kind of in the thick of the COVID pandemic. And uh, you know, as most people in the business world or kind of grappling with changes to business models, changes in logistics operations. And obviously the event space is one that is really upside down right now. People not being able to go not only to events, but really not outdoors in some cases. It's uh, it's really kind of throwing uh, a monkey wrench in how a lot of businesses are operating. And obviously, you know, people are dealing with it at many levels. Um, but I wanted to have Aaron on the program talk a little bit about what she's seeing in terms of just in general kind of short-term responses. How are people you know, dealing with events that they've had planned? Are they reconfiguring them? You know, what are some of the options that people are trying and what are we learning? And then also a little bit of what's going to happen in the coming months and quarters and unfortunately probably years as we go through the recovery, as we kind of figure out how to navigate the business world with these restrictions and kind of the COVID situation. So obviously, you know, it's having a huge impact on many people around the world, you know, in lots of different ways. And, you know, businesses are trying to figure out how to reconfigure themselves and really kind of remake themselves in some cases. So an event space is going to be an interesting one. So I'm excited to have Aaron on the program, talk through this. Uh, with that, Aaron, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of short term stuff first, and then we can kind of think about you know like what happens in the coming months and quarters. So you know, for organizations that you know have had events that have been you know planned for May, June, July, the next couple of months here. What are you seeing in terms of kind of the response strategies? I mean, I've, I've, I've been inundated with all sorts of webinary kind of things that people are doing. And, you know, I was scheduled to go to events that are not happening now <laughs> and stuff. But I'm curious what you're seeing in terms of your clients and the companies you work with and just kind of the industry in general. What are some of the short-term things that people are doing there? Why don't we start there in terms of conversations? And then before, actually, before we jump into that, let's talk a little bit about your background in events, how you got into the event space, and, and then we can kind of dive into our topics. Sure. So I've been in the business for about 10 years. I originally was in theater and film production. And then when I had my son, I wanted to pivot to something that I could be home a little bit more and be a little bit more of a stay-at-home mom as much as possible. I actually got into events through the graphics side. So I was making PowerPoint slides and then operating them. And then slowly that sort of grew I had a business partner at one point and I bought the company from him and kept the clients and we've been kind of steadily growing ever since. We've always had a hand in the virtual space and the live streaming space. 
So when this happened, it was sort of a natural lean for us more than a pivot into the digital landscape and sort of help our clients start to navigate that. To answer your question about the short term, I mean, honestly, the first, I want to say like five weeks or so was really sort of calming our clients down, dealing with existing contracts, negotiating either postponements or trying to get through force majeure out of venue contracts. So there was a lot of triage in the first part. There was also a lot of settling into this new remote workspace, right? A lot of companies are not used to having remote workforce. So we were trying to help guide them through that as well with you know, evening happy hours, team building activities, those kinds of things, all obviously online. And then as everyone now has seen, you mentioned the this sort of rush, this waterfall of webinars and talks and happy hours and everybody is running to the virtual space. It's a human condition to want to connect with other humans. And luckily, we have things like Zoom and WhatsApp and FaceTime, and we can see each each other even if we're not in the same room together, and we can socialize safely and learn from one another safely in this way. Now we're starting to see a lot of our clients start to seriously consider changing or adapting their programming for the late summer and fall towards a virtual platform and a virtual conferences and meetings and summits and that's that takes some doing honestly yeah yeah different just different format different strategy i mean i guess what's the working assumption at this point i mean i think you know maybe a month ago maybe six weeks ago you know i talked to a lot of a kind of event kind of people and they were like oh well we're just pushing it off to the fall right, right. And, and now <laughs> now i think we're kind of like mm, maybe that's spring you know maybe maybe it's yeah. a year and even then it's like you know i don't know the big very large international kind of format events i, I, I think it's tbd you know absolutely and it, it, listen i'm not as optimistic as a lot of my colleagues i always plan for the worst hope for the best so you know uh I think if we're lucky, come the end of this year, we'll be able to have small gatherings with a lot of restriction in place about, you know, seating, catering, temperature taking. You know, I think we're going to have to have a lot of things in place to keep people safe, but also to give the impression that we're keeping people safe. I mean, we're even talking about having a registered nurse on site at the registration desk to take people's temperatures. So, you know, I think that some companies are willing to go to extremes to get their people back into the same room, whereas others either can't or won't. I think for the large conferences, it's going to be deep into next year and the international ones even further out. If they fully come back... Yeah. There's great advantages to this the virtual conference and having someone Skype in or Zoom in and be just as actively a part of a panel discussion without the travel. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at some level, this could to be you know forever change. <laughs> this, this, yeah, this may make permanent changes to the way people do conferences and you know either attend or produce produce these conferences. It definitely has some excellent financial advantages, uh, both for the host and for the participant. Absolutely. And as long as the programs are designed to give equally as meaningful content and be engaging and, and sort of get the message across in the same impactful way, then I think it's it may be here to say in some fashion, in some, you know, gradient. 
yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on like the trade show kind of convention floor, like that whole milieu that was, you know, it's kind of where I go to kind of connect with people in the industry, maybe find new suppliers, see what products are coming out, you know, touch and feel things. Like there was, you know, I know a couple of businesses that like they have a big annual trade show and that's where they do most of their work, right? That's where they get most of their contacts. That's where they develop their leads. They, you know, introduce new products and everything. I mean, have you seen anything or any strategies or people talking about that, you know, that kind of context and that that yeah. kind of setup, you know, in a virtual environment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I haven't seen it for myself yet, but there have been lots of discussions about it. And there are a lot of tools out there. On the one hand, there are some great advantages in that the tools also employ matchmaking software. So you can match your booth or your sponsor to a participant if you've put in the same keywords, which you can, of course, customize. So in that way, you're getting a much more deliberate, much more direct lead. You don't get the person who's just wandering by who happens to see your great stuff and is like, oh my God, I have to know about you. That's going to happen a little bit less as we know, you know, the internet is a very deliberate space. It's not really that great for just sort of wandering the stacks, if you will. Yeah. But for sponsors and for, you know, the booth holders or the companies, in some ways it has some advantages because of that. The content in those exhibition, those sort of virtual exhibition booths can also live on for weeks, months, even longer, as long as they're still current and relevant. You can have videos, downloadables, you can be the host and actually have, you know, one-to-ones in a Zoom style. So it does have some advantages, but it's not the same. You know, no virtual event is the same. It's just not. Yeah. It's not like we're going to have a VR goggles and we're walking around, you know, a simulated booth. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can. I mean, you can definitely do that. The technology is out there. There's a couple of platforms that use gaming structures and servers so that you definitely can do that. You have to do it in a limited amount because it does start to make you a little nauseous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it kind of it's yeah. a level defeats the purpose. <laughs> like, do I really need to do it this way? It's yeah. almost like we need like a Tinder for trade shows where I can just like randomly like like be swiping on booze and then, you know, it starts to learn what I like and don't like and, yeah. and, and things like that. So it's making new suggestions. Yeah, I mean, the whole kind of AI, yeah. sort of AI enhanced exploratory, somewhat random exploratory experience where I can kind of learn and direct me. And because I want novelty, like I want to see like, well, what else is out there? Like, you know, introduce me to some new things. Right. But I, you know, it's not going to be a, a deliberate search or at least a, you know, a fixed search. It's going to be kind of a fuzzy search. So I'm kind of curious to see how some of that stuff plays out. But um, yeah, it definitely seems like certainly the the event model is disrupted and people are going to have to rethink that. And I think some industries are going to be disrupted that were very much based, you know, that, that oh, use the trade show event kind of format to actually operate their industry. And as, as they shift away from that, it could be quite different. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to have to find a new a new strategy, even if it's a slight tinkering of the original one and, you know, go after things in a, in a sort of a different way. You know, it's depending on which platform you use. And now we're getting into, you know, this wild west of of platforms that's out there. I mean, there's thousands of them. I've been doing research now for two months and we've done more demos than I care to count. And every day I hear about a new one and it's like, oh, come on. (laughs) 
Well, I think, I mean, it's now the hottest thing, right? Like the, the next big business model or the biggest venture is how to connect people virtually, you know, given. Absolutely. So well, give us a kind of the buckets. What are you seeing out there in terms of general types of things? And then, you know, give us some of the interesting ones or the, the things that you've actually learned about some of these companies and, and what kind of things are they putting out and what are they trying to achieve? Yeah, there's so much. I mean, they kind of break down into two basic service categories, and then two sort of operational categories. So the three functional categories are either live streaming platform, full-on meeting space. So that's like a 3D, you walk into a lobby, you have an avatar, and it walks you through what on your computer screen looks like an actual event. And then the virtual conference, which is basically a souped up website that has your agenda, it has your live streaming embedded in it, and then it has your chat rooms and the polling and all of that. So those are the kind of three main styles, depending on what your meeting is, and you can mix and match, right? On top of that, or I should say behind that is the operational buckets, which for me has been the most revelatory. So the platforms that are end to end, so they take care of your speakers, they take care of your participants and everything in between. So they have the back end streams of all of the speakers, they mix them, they deliver them to the live stream window. And then they also have the platform on the outside with the networking, the polling, the breakout sessions, the exhibition booths and all of that. And those are sort of lock key kind of platforms. And therefore, they're also more expensive. They can also create on-demand content for you. They can pre-record video for you and all of it. They're very full service. What are their pricing models? I mean, are these like per participant, per speaker, megabit? I mean, what's the, how are they kind of doing <laughs> their pricing models and, and roughly what are these things costing? It, well, it really, you know, I really wish I had a great answer for that, but it really <laughs> depends, which I feel like I say a lot these days. Some of them, yes, some of them are profit share and it's per participant. Some of them are project costs. And some of them, if you're an organization that has a lot of meetings a year, are membership based. So they're like Zoom or WebEx that you pay a monthly fee and you get X number of participants and meetings a year. And that's so if you're doing scalable. monthly, if you're an American Bar Association or something and you're doing lots and lots of meetings on a exactly. monthly basis and everything, like you can buy a platform a subscription exactly. for all of your members and all the events that you can so all you can eat, all you can eat buffet style. Exactly. And you get your own sales rep and they work, you know, hand in glove with your events person and they build out your entire calendar year of events for you. And then there's the, the little bit more down and dirty ones, which are just um, streaming hosts, essentially. So they are the website that has your networking, your expo booths, your polling, all of the, you know, your agenda. Some of them have registration. But they don't do any of the back end. So they don't deal with your speakers directly. They don't have a mixer. They don't create content for you. They just display it. So those obviously tend to be a little bit more affordable, but then you're also paying an AV team to run the back end for you. Got it. Yeah, so it's kind of a question is do you wanna is do you can you produce the content more or less yourself and you just need a platform to get it out there and manage participants and stuff, or do you right. need someone to really, you know, help you actually produce the raw content that you're gonna push out in these right. in these uh, episodes? Interesting. And this the second version can be as sophisticated as a chime live and all the way down or like Grella or all the way down to literally like Facebook or Vimeo depending on your budget and how kind of how public you want the event, how secure you need it and all of those other factors. 
Yeah, yeah. And how, for those folks that had an event scheduled for, say, the coming, you know, two, three quarters here, you know, within 2020, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, it looks like they're not going to be able to do a physical event. How, you know, how hard, how complicated, how much time do you need to kind of set these things up? I mean, what's the what's the decision-making process timeframe that these folks need to start acting on? Uh, the sooner the better, of course. You know, the more runway you have, the better advantage you have in, in marketing it to your audiences and, and helping them understand the change and the advantages of the change that you've made to a virtual event. But in terms of the planning, you know, I always say 12 to 16 weeks is a minimum between getting speakers organized, sponsor organized, getting all the content made and collected, the platform built, everybody on the same page, all the stakeholders excited. It does still take some time. I actually have a meeting this afternoon about an event in June that they've they've kind of finally gotten comfortable with the idea and have pulled the trigger on turning their actual conference into a virtual conference. One of the key things to think about is the amount of content you're pushing out during the conference and to make sure that you're spreading it out so that it's still edible for your participants, which is one of the key differences in the modality change. Talk to me more about that. What do you mean by that? So, you know, whereas you can have a participant sit in a ballroom for an hour and a half although fidgety, <laughs> they won't yes. get up and walk away because it, you know everybody is staring at them or they feel that way. But yep. when you're sitting behind your computer, you can't really sit for an hour and a half. You know, it's, television has breaks every 10 minutes, five minutes for a reason. And that, you know, and shows are 20 minutes to 35 minutes, right? In actuality. So yep. it's Finding what the real guts of your message is and communicating it in a condensed, consolidated, impactful way and not, you know, sort of spreading it out. So 45 minute sessions max, just a handful a day. I went to one conference that was actually put on by an event association and it was a three hour block with no break. And it was torture. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you guys know better. Come on, at least give us a break. In between the speakers, something. So, yeah, you have to think about breaks. You have to think about the person sitting at a computer screen and not in a ballroom, not surrounded by other people. And then all the distractions that come with that, the email pinging, text messages, the dishes in the sink, the kids, the dog, you know, all of it. So it's got to be engaging. It has to be concentrated and it's got to be impactful. Yes, you need to reformat your content or re-strategize your content if you're really going to make it work online. Absolutely. And engagement is key. And a lot of program tends to be one directional. It's just someone speaking and showing slides. And that's just not going to cut it for 45 minutes on a computer screen. You've got to have polling. You have to have Q&A. You have to have some interaction to keep people kind of awake and with you. The good news about that is that all of that data then is collected. And then you can see how many people stayed engaged the entire time, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like once we go to the first whole route, you might as well just rethink the whole thing. And rather than kind of replicate the in-person event, it's like, well, let's just rethink this whole thing. And, you know, this doesn't need to be eight hours of programming over two days, eight hours each day. It could be a week where we just do two hours every morning and people can do other things. Or we can slice and dice it different ways. We can format it different ways. We can group it different ways. I mean, it seems like such a, it's both fascinating and daunting at the same time. (laughs) Kind of rethink your entire programming. But but that's really where people are, right? And and I 
I would imagine that the folks, companies, organizations that can kind of take a step back and say, okay, how do we actually use this as a chance to really rethink these things and create a more compelling offering? Absolutely. Probably going to do better than those folks that just turn all of, you know, take their program agenda and put Zoom links against everyone, you know, every session. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, which I've seen done. <laughs> in some cases, people are actually embracing this as a huge opportunity yeah. to take a longstanding annual meeting that it was starting to get stale anyway. Yeah. And completely throw it up in the air and rethink it, which is great because then when we do end up going back to meeting together in the same space at a venue, that program will continue to be better. It will, they were going to have a better product at the end of this, regardless of if we stay in the, in the virtual space or when we go back to being in the, the real time space. Yeah, it's kind of um, events are dead, long live events. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody said that, what did he say? He said, everything is different, but nothing has changed. Right? That's kind of deep. I like that too. Listen, people are going to want to hug each other. People are going to want to shake hands. 90% of participants go to these annual conferences in particular because that's the only place they see certain people every year. And there are these beautiful reunions that happen. And unfortunately, that's going to be on hold for a little bit still. Yeah. And sort of seeing those get split out is fascinating because I think on one hand, it yes, it takes all the kind of content that you're presenting or you, you were delivering at these events and, you know, you have to figure out a different way to deliver it. But then it also says, okay, but, but there's still a need to have this kind of connectivity and this yeah. connective tissue between folks. Like, how do we deal with that short term and long term? And and to the extent that, yeah, maybe, maybe we can create better ways to deliver all this content. Like, we also need to provide you know, ways for the inter, interpersonal human connection, you know, how do we do that in the short term and in the long term? Right. No, listen, it's a huge concern. And especially because it's part of the value that you're offering as a summit or a meeting, right? So, you know, a lot of consideration has to be taken with what kind of networking software you use. And can you search for people? Can people find you? What are the keywords that you're putting in? And, you know, even if it's a virtual, a scheduled virtual event, it's still the excuse to reconnect with that person you haven't seen all year, right? And even though you can't hug them or shake their hand, you can certainly schedule a one-to-one video chat with them, which is not the best, but it's not nothing either. At least it's, at least you're making a bit of a connection there. And there's a lot of that out there. And some of the platforms, that was sort of their genesis was in networking. And so they have Mm. the AI and the algorithms to really make that impactful. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. I could see that being, it's probably going to be subtle at first. I think people are primarily going to be, you know, focused on kind of recreating the content and making sure that they're producing what they needed to produce. But as as this kind of takes hold and people start figuring out, okay, well, how do we really make sure this is going to be impactful long term? That whole kind of networking, connecting, both with existing, reconnecting with existing contacts as well as meeting new people is going to be, you know, it's going to be key. And the, the platforms that do a good job of that for both sides I think are going to are going to see success, and those that just kind of focus on the the content delivery aspect of it are probably going to wane as people realize we need to do more. Yeah, definitely, because yeah. you still have to have that human touch, and that's true of, of programs even in real life. Yeah. If you have some, you know, a, a client or a planner who they're solely focused on delivering the results of the program, they're going to miss huge opportunities. 
and their their events probably were not going to thrive. Yeah, I almost hate to admit it, but I, there are some programs that I would go to and all I would do is hang out in the lobbies or you know connect with the people that I wanted to connect with. I wouldn't actually go to any oh, of the programming events. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. You know, because that's really what I went there for. I mean, I can get right. the content in all sorts of other places, right? I can read their exactly white right. papers. I can, you know, I can watch the recording later. In fact, the most valuable thing I can do at those events was to actually connect with folks. I can't do that other places. I can get all that content in other ways. No, absolutely. You know, you know, quite honestly, when I would go to events myself or networking events, I was doing the exact same thing because I, you know, the whole purpose of being there is to capitalize on the fact that all these people are in the exact same room. So you want to meet every single one of them. Now you just have to do that in a virtual way. They're clearly already predisposed to similar interests because they're paid the ticket. They're attending that event. So why not? Yeah. you know, set up brain dates or whatever they're called and yeah. on whatever platform you're on and, and make <laughs> yeah. that connection happen. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm also curious if you've seen or what your kind of suspicion is on, I mean, you know, there is some big players in industries who have that lead their industry because they have owned a particular event or a particular like trade show or, mm-hmm. you know, they're like the place to go, the player to go to. And with this disruption, I'm curious if this is like an opportunity or if, if this is, there's an opening now for these players to get disrupted. And like, so if I was, <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. big player in the agricultural machinery thing conference on such and such and such, and everyone just came to my conference because I was the big player, but now, you know, we're not doing these big events. If this is a window for people to start either disrupting that or taking segments of that or because the cost of entry now right is, is low yeah <laughs> and all i need to absolutely. do is like put together an email list you know set up a platform get an email list going you know start inviting people for a conference and like i can run a conference from my bedroom right so yeah you could like, what, what, what's <laughs> I your thought recommend on this? it but yes you certainly could it's yeah. um Sorry, too many thoughts at once. But the, yeah. uh, yes, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. I think there is room now for some major disruption. And depending on how extended, you know, that big player was before this hit, they may not be here come the end of the year, depending on their bailout situation. So I think we're going to see a huge shift in the players in our industry. And it's it's really going to be the ones who embrace flexibility and opportunity and innovation, I think, that are going to last. I mean, listen, look at Global Citizen, right? We were deep in the middle of the still the panic mode, and they put together that together at home with Lady Gaga and, mm-hmm. you know, every name you know, and pulled it off. I mean, it was pretty amazing. You know, you can nitpick, of course, but yeah. ultimately they pulled it off and they raised a ton of money. Yeah. So it was hugely successful. And they're a huge player, especially in the festival world. So the fact that they were able to pull that off and be sort of at the head of the, the stream was brilliant. The NFL the same um, with the draft, Uh I think they did a spectacular job, even with its little hiccups and oddities. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, having 168 streams and mixing that, that's genius. Like, that's incredible. So I think that there are going to be people who really grab this bull by the horns. And like in every crisis, there are going to be those that think that just waiting it out is the answer. And there are going to be those who were just too ill prepared before it all started. And they may not make it. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. What are some things to do? I mean, if you're a company that was either in the space or ever rely upon the space, whether you're you know, running your own kind of events, live events, whether, you know, they're kind of big public events or, you know, private gatherings, you know, to help market and sell yourselves, but, you know, you no longer can do these things. What are some sort of general steps, strategies, process you could recommend to them in terms of, you know, how do you rethink this? Or what are some of the things, you, questions you ask yourself to help figure out how you can you know, develop a new strategy given the situation? Oh, yeah. Good question. Well, we always like to start with the actual reason why you're having the conference or the webinar or the talk at all. Like, what's the core reason, the why? Because that then informs everything else. It informs who your audience is going to be. It informs what platforms you should be looking at. So once you boil down your program to the why are you doing it, and then what are the key takeaways you want your participants to have... Mm-hmm. And these can be very basic and very simple. It doesn't have to be a fortune cookie fortune. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it can be very clean and simple. And then once you have those two things, either call your friendly neighborhood event producer or start doing some research online as to what platform is going to fit that purpose. A lot of the platforms have different origin stories and therefore they have different strengths. The good news is that it is like the gold rush and (laughs) everybody is improving all areas of their platforms, it seems like. Mm -hmm. So those that started out as networking apps are now building out expo technology and everybody's got a 3D lobby now. And so eventually it's going to be sort of which flavor of ice cream do you like? (laughs) Yeah, It's going to be a personal preference. And I think that's going to happen very quickly, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think as um, as much as like, hey, it's a whole new world. I, th- I think the world's going to get reset fairly quick because I mean, we need it. We like yeah. we can't go very long without solving some of these problems. So whether they're perfect or not, at some platforms exactly are going right. to start to become new standards. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's just kind of to think through like what the implications are and, and what might happen. Aaron, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about AAA, what's the best way to get that information? Go to our website at um, ax3studios.com. Or you can email me directly at Aaron, A-R-Y-N, at ax3studios.com. I'm happy to answer any questions. We offer a free hour of consultation to help people kind of navigate this a little bit. So please reach out and get in touch. Yeah, perfect. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can click through, get that information. It's been a pleasure. It's a fascinating space. I will be very curious to keep in touch in the coming yes. weeks and months as this <laughs> plays out. But I'm really, not only for events in general, just but how some of these industries that were very heavily reliant upon events, how they kind of reshape themselves. So it'll be an interesting, yeah. interesting uh, time that we're in here. So, And I appreciate uh, taking, taking a little bit out of your day. Talk to us and some interesting discussion and some interesting insights. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's been fun. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.